0: of the Word of God, go with me to the book of James, the New Testament book of James, James chapter number 5, thank you. Isn't it good to be in the presence of Jehovah? Man, worship is fun, isn't it? Shame, it's 8.30 in the morning, we're about ready to shout. (laughs) When's the last time you've seen somebody shout? Huh? Huh? Last Sunday, amen. <laughs> James chapter number 5. Hebrews chapter number 12 verse number 1 is is a sometimes there, there there's just particular passages that minister to people and, and I love Hebrews twelve one. therefore since we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses I am so honored this morning and I believe this is all my heart that there is a great cloud of witnesses that has joined us this morning for this moment of worship since we are surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us and let us run with patience. I love quoting that passage. Let us run with patience. Let us run with endurance. The race, the agon that has been set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I love taking God's word, and I love empowering the people of God. We are in a race. We are in this agon, this agon. This thing of agony. Is the Christian life hard? No. The Christian life is impossible. That's why God has given us the Holy Spirit. Spirit. You're going to get that. I'm going to ask you that for the next several weeks. And every time I say that, you just say Holy Spirit, okay? Then the race is on. And we are running our race. and, 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 and And as we run our race, as we follow God... We have moments of struggle. We have moments of pain. We hit bumps in the road. Praise the Lord for those mountaintop of experiences. But let me tell you something. As pastor of Main Street Baptist Church, let me tell you something. In our family, in the family of Main Street Church this morning, there are, many, there are more people that are hurting than those people that are on the mountaintop. That's why we need God's Word. That's why we need God's word to help us run the race. We have, in James chapter number 5, we have found something here that really causes us to, it's a steroid. A spiritual steroid this morning. comes out of James chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Listen carefully. This is a word to the church. This is, this is speaking a, a specific need over the people of God that are running the race. Are you, is there any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any cheerful? Let them sing psalms. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. As and the Lord will raise him up. And if they has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, of a righteous person, avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain. And the earth produced a fruit. Watch. Is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you afflicted? Struggling? Anyone among you hurting, I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand. But you know what? There are many in this building this morning that, are, that have reached that moment where they are struggling, they are hurting. They belong to the Lord. You've been saved, and yet you are walking through a very difficult time in your life. If there's anyone in here like that, the Bible says this, let them pray. Now let me tell you something. <clears throat> I discovered something this week that that I guess I knew, but I I don't know if I knew it or not. The word prayer, the best way to translate the word prayer into the English Bible, the best way to translate that word is is to ask. Is there any among you struggling, afflicted, hurting... Let them ask. Well, let's see, that don't really make sense because if you're struggling and you're hurting and you're going through a tough time, you would say, you ask who? You ask who what? Okay, so the Bible says it this way. If there's any among you struggling, let them pray. That means that, that those that are hug, uh, hurting, struggling, going through a tough time, they should ask God. Now listen, prayer is the love language of the Father we are told that all of us have a love language that, 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 that my love language is touch I like to touch I like to I like to touch so if I come up and touch you you're don't think I'm crazy I'm just I'm a toucher that's that, that's what I do I like to hug God his love language what, what really lets him know that we love him is when we bow our knee and we call out to him in prayer. God loves you and he desires to live in intimacy with you. Now this is Valentine's week and I could stop and preach on this intimacy thing, but I'm just I'm not going to do that because you know enough about what that means to know how God feels about you. Prayer is God's love language. Prayer is is, is how God gets intimate with you. Prayer is an openness to the awareness of his presence and his power in your life. Listen, let me tell you something. Tomorrow when you get up and go to work when you get up and go to school, when you're taking care of your children, wherever you are tomorrow in the real world, what those people around you need to see, hear, and, and be able to feel is the presence and the power of God. They need that from you. That's why it's important that, 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 that we, we pray, because when we pray and we come into his presence, we, we, we can feel his power. He wants full possession of your heart. God wants all of your heart. I've heard it said this way. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. God is a jealous God. God wants every bit of your heart. And we have talked about the heart of a human being. It's not that muscle that, 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 that pumps blood. It is the innermost being of you. It is that the, the seed of emotions. It is the, it's the hard drive, it's the way I've preached it before, of a human being. He wants you to live in the experience of his love. Let me tell you something I'm working on. I'm working on, I want to take a bunch of pictures of Main Street Church. I want pictures of people praying. I want pictures of our youth group. I want pictures of our children. I want pictures of our nurse. And we're going to put a billboard up. And we're going to put a billboard up and we're going to say this. Come to Main Street. Come and experience God. Because we want to experience God in our lives. God is moving. God is up to something. And it's the challenge of God's people to get involved in what God is doing. God wants us to experience Him. He wants us to know His love. He wants us to, to feel His power. Listen to this. Theologians have written to great extent about Jesus and how he ministered to sinners and how Jesus ministered to, to the, the poor and, and to the needy. They've written extensively about how Jesus took on the challenge of the religious world. They have taken on the challenge of, 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 of healing and doing... But what theologians has not done a good job of doing, in my opinion, they have not done a good job of pointing out the power and the time that Jesus spent in prayer. The Bible says that Jesus, very early in the morning, went to pray, went to a secluded place. Now, I, we'll talk about that in the coming days. But, but Jesus went to pray... Now, what does the Bible say about that? The Bible says that the prayers of a righteous person avails much. The word avail means to enable. It means power. It means forceful. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful. Well, that's great news for all you righteous people. But let me tell you something. Righteousness is not about how you behave It's about what you believe. Righteousness is not about what you do. It's about what you believe. Look at me, Lord. I have been, this is the second Sunday in 2019 I've been to church. Every Sunday morning I've been here at 8.30. I've been here at 10.45. I went to Sunday school. I was here on Wednesday night. I've driven the van. I've done, look at all, because I have done all these things, because I have behaved in a special way, I want you to lean toward me. I want you to reach out to me. Why? Because my behavior is being good. You know what that is? That's religion. Righteousness is not about how you behave. It's about what you believe. Romans 4, 3 said this, that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him righteousness. Now listen, it's not how you behave. It's what you believe. And this morning as we are running the race and we are going through this time of struggle, hearted, we need to stop and we need to understand, we need to get it in our heart what God has to say to us about prayer. Luke chapter number 11. I know that you don't like to turn in your Bible, but that's really not good. You need to turn to Luke chapter number 11. And you need to say 11.1. 1, or Jesus is getting ready to pray the model prayer. Not the Lord's Prayer, but the model prayer. Look what step. said. And it came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, I believe that was Gethsemane, by the way. I believe that was a place that he went to often to pray. When he had ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, we've got to stop and think. What do you mean, teach us to pray? Every religious man knew how to pray. There was a specific prayer to pray for crops. There was a prayer that they had been taught to pray for, to have children, finances. They had been taught these rote prayers. But here's one of Jesus' disciples saying to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. I think what this disciple is saying to Jesus is this, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray jesus said to them when you pray now i'm going to read that to you wrong and i want you i want you i want you to, I don't want you to laugh i want you to hear me jesus said if you pray don't say that when you pray say our father in heaven hallowed be thy name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us day by day our daily bread and forgive our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, amen what, did, what happened there in Luke chapter number 1 Luke chapter number 11 verses uh, 1 through 6 what happened Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray now watch The rabbi, those people around Jesus, they didn't really get it that he was the Messiah. Sometimes they didn't understand that he was the Lord and the Savior. They called him rabbi. The rabbi is reproducing himself and his disciples. A rabbi's job is to teach, the the word disciple means pupil, it means learner. These, These disciples have left everything, and they've come follow Jesus. They follow Rabbi Jesus, and Jesus is trying to reproduce himself in these people. It is the job of the disciple to quote verbatim the rabbi, you never ever as a disciple take the the words uh, uh, you have liberty to to paraphrase or, or say anything uh, different than what the rabbi would say. Everything he says, you have to quote him verbatim it is, it, it is the, the rabbi is is pouring himself into his disciples, and he's teaching them to pray, the model prayer. and if you'll notice that the model prayer, it starts out with praise. The model prayer ends with praise, and there's a little part in between the praise and the praise called provision. So when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we'll preach this out later, there's praise, provision, praise. He is reproducing himself in those disciples. The kingdom prayer. The kingdom prayer is the the way kingdom resources are accessed. Are you understanding me? Praying is how I get my resources, the, the things I need to run my race. Even in the midst of the storm, I, God has every resource I need to follow him. As you read that model prayer, then you come down to verse number 5. Jesus has taught them to pray, and then he said to them, Which one of you, now remember this is a Jewish audience, this is a bunch of disciples, this is a Jewish culture, this is more than 2,000 years ago what Jesus is teaching these people. Sometimes we miss this, but this Jewish audience listening to Jesus, he's taught them to pray and now he's getting ready to, to give them an example of prayer. They understand completely. Jesus said in verse number 5, Which one of you have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, that's a passage of Scripture that's in the New Testament that you've never never, ever read before. But notice, it comes right after Jesus taught the people to pray. Those Jewish people hearing Jesus teach there. They knew that if someone came to your house at midnight and knocked on your door, in that culture, I'm not talking Rocky Top 2019, I'm talking in that Jewish culture, when someone knocked on your door at midnight, and you had to get up and go to the door and let them in, that was an honor in that culture. I want to be clear, don't do that to me tonight at 12 o'clock. In that culture, they were, and when that guest came into their house, they sat down, because you have come to me at midnight, you are now my honored guest. And if I were to say to you, I'm going to fix you some pinto beans, you would never, no, I'm tired, it's late, I'm just going to go to bed, you'd never say that to me. So someone like me would say, you're my honored guest, I'm going to give you some bread. And then I would turn around and say, oh man, I don't have any bread. I'm in a gom. so what do I do? Now, remember, I'm talking about running the race. I'm talking about, about, about th- this agon, this, what, what do I do? I go to someone who can meet my needs. I go to the supplier of my need. This guy that Jesus was talking about, he didn't have three loaves, so he went across the street to his neighbor's house. And he knocked on his neighbor's door. He knew something. My neighbor's got three loaves. My neighbor was watching the news, and Todd House said it was going to rain and snow, and so he ran to the store. <laughs> he bought up all I know. And in that... Listen, in that setting, in that culture, these people lived in little huts, and they lived, they lived right on top of each other. And if something happened at midnight, everybody in town knew it because you could, And I'm knocking on... Hey, buddy, I need to borrow three loaves. And the voice from inside would say... Which would never happen. This Jewish audience understands it, this. This Jewish audience understands... Hey, buddy, I'm in the bed. My kids are in the bed. I'm not giving you any bread. Get out of here. That would never happen. But Jesus is teaching here that that, that this old stingy neighbor, he's comparing him to God. Listen, in in prayer, you need to understand something, that that, that you have needs. As you go about your, your, your walk with the Lord, there's times when there's things that you simply cannot overcome in your own strength. Jesus taught you will never have a need that your heavenly Father cannot meet. Never. He said this in his prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Those Jewish people understood what he was talking about. Their mind ran back to Moses and to the wilderness. They're back to the days of manna. And you remember when, when, when God took them through the wilderness, every morning God gave them bread or God gave them manna. Six days a week there's manna. You collect enough today for one day. Tomorrow you go out and you get more. On the sixth day, you collect enough for two days. Amen. You cannot can, you cannot store, you cannot freeze manna. You have to hang enough manna to get you through one day. Why was God doing that to the people? He wanted them to learn to trust him every day of their life. Every day. Lord, give us this day our daily apple pie. The Bible doesn't say that. Apple pie is not a a need. Hey, listen. There is this place, I see this in the heavenlies, that there's this big old warehouse, and in in, in that warehouse are all the needs of human beings. And you know what? In that warehouse is every need we need to to run our race. Now listen to this. In in, in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 31 and 32, the Bible says this, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles, the word Gentile in in, in the Scripture speaks of heathen, for the the Gentiles uh, seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows what you need. Now listen deep we're careful I'm getting ready to lead you into a deep theological moment here <clears throat> I mean I'm a, I'm struggling for time but we're going to preach, amen <clears throat> What was I saying? Oh God the, according to the word of God God knows your need before you ask Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 8 says, before you even ask, he has you. Okay, let me ask you this. If God knows, here's the deep theological moment I was telling you about. If God knows your need, before you ask, then why do you have to ask? You know what a, a lady said to her pastor one time? Her pa- she, the lady said to her pastor, I never trouble God with little things. And her pastor said, He is God. They're all little things. <laughs> why do I have to ask if, if God knows my need, then why should I have to ask? I praise the Lord that God knows my need before I ask. And He has set up this process of prayer that causes me in my time of need to seek, even though he knows what I need, he causes me to seek him. Imagine what it would be like if God met your needs without engaging you in the process. I need $20. Oh, right there's $20. I didn't pray, didn't ask. There it is. I need healing. Healing. Didn't ask, didn't pray. It just happened. Imagine what that, what that would be. You would never recognize his provision. If you had needs and your needs just fell out, the, the, your supply just fell out of the sky, you would never, ever, ever recognize him as God. That's why when you're running the race and you come up on a bump in the road, there's a storm, there's a lump, there's, 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 there's a, a bad diagnosis, there's a layoff. Let me tell you something. If any among you are struggling, let them pray. When when your church family, when your church family, walks through times of trouble, I'm talking about when the individually struggle, they pray. And when your family is struggling, and when your family is praying, your, your your church increases. Your church, there's baptisms, the offerings are up, and then and then the 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 the, the, uh, uh, the numbers are up, and then you go down to the pastors' conference and somebody says, buddy, your church is doing really good." <laughs> yeah, they, but they was you know seventeen Sunday school, and then when I got there, but we, you know what? What you need to do is you need to stand up as a pastor. Yes, our church is doing good. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you why. Because my church family is walking through hell. And they're on their knees calling out to God, and God is moving in their lives, and we've seen all this increase, and you know what? I don't know how it's happening. I blame it all on God. When we have the privilege of seeing God meet our needs in response to prayer, we experience Him. Jesus prayed before making important decisions. Jesus' prayer life is it, 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 go, Luke chapter number 6. Let me ask you all a question, and then don't lie to me. It's 9.30. You want me to preach this out, or you want to go to Sunday school? Now. now, are you serious? Yes. Chapter 6, chapter number 6. You ever felt like somebody's going to ask you a question, and I knew the answer before I ever? (laughs) Chapter six, Jesus and Luke, chapter six. he's done this real, real bad thing. He healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath, and the Bible says in Luke chapter number six, verse number eleven. But they talking about the religious people. They were filled with rage. And discuss with one another what they might do with Jesus. Now, Jesus is three and a half years into his ministry here. He's preaching and he's doing good. His church is big and everything is going good. Now these religious leaders has got this rage, and they begin to plot, they begin to talk about how are we going to 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 what are we going to do with Jesus? Everything changes. Everything changes. Look what happened in verse number number 12. Now it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out to the mountains to pray and continued all night in prayer. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself... Disciples are students, they're pupils, they're, they're, those are learners of Jesus Christ. They called all of his disciples to him, and from them, from his disciples, Jesus chose twelve whom he also named apostles. Big church, everybody's happy. The religious crowd gets mad. Now they begin to form this plan about how they're, how they're going to do away with Jesus. Jesus calls all of his disciples together, and from that the disciples, he chose 12 apostles before choosing his 12 apostles jesus spent all night praying to god these 12 men are going to follow jesus jesus is going to step away from his public ministry over the next three and a half years and he's going to pour his life into these 12 men these men are the New Testament church. And there in, in those the verses 13 and 14, you, 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 the, the 12, what we call disciples, what the Bible calls apostles, their names are listed. This is plan A. This is, this is the, 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 the church. Listen, are you getting ready to make a big decision? Are you getting ready to, to get married? Are you getting ready to, 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 to whatever? Listen, you ought to pray. Wisdom is something we all need when making important decisions. James 5.1 says this, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives generously? We don't know everything. We need wisdom. We need guidance. And that comes from prayer direction the bible says in psalms 32 8 i will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go i will guide you psalms 28 uh, psalms 320 uh, psalms verse 32 8 says that direction is something we all need before making an important decision You're making this decision and you're trying to follow the Lord and you're praying and you're doing what you think is right and all of a sudden a door closes. Or all of a sudden a door opens. You know what? I believe doors close, I believe doors open because we seek direction from God. We are never, ever, ever as intelligent and as smart as we are, we are never, ever to lean to our own understanding. We always need to seek God. Jesus prayed when he was tempted. Before he began his public ministry, Jesus was baptized. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. The voice from heaven said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Right after that great moment, Jesus left. He he went into the wilderness. He fasted and prayed for 40 days. And while he was in the wilderness there, the enemy... Tempted him. He came after him. Temptation came at Jesus while he was in the garden of Gethsemane. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ in that garden as he was praying, I believe he was tempted to get up and walk away. I believe that the man in him was so strong that he said, this is too much, this is too hard, I can't do this. And when he prayed, the Bible says, and I I love this passage of Scripture. I quote it every day of my life. Luke 22, uh, 43 says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him, strengthening him. You know, if you spend time in prayer, we will have power to overcome temptation. Jesus prayed while suffering on the cross. In the darkest six hours of his life, Jesus prayed. We can overcome burdens, trials, and sufferings when we encounter, that we encounter in this life, that we encounter in this race, just as our Savior did through prayer. You're burdened. You've got trials. You've got tribulation. You're running the race. You belong to the Lord. You don't understand. Through prayer, you are given the power to overcome Jesus in his darkest hour. Do you ever feel like that this hour is so dark, I can't get through it? Jesus has been there. He knows exactly what it is. The prayers of the righteous people avails much i don't care if you're on the mountaintop or if it's your darkest hour if you're righteous if you it's not about what you believe about how you behave it's about how what you believe if you believe god if you trust god your prayers avail much in june on june the 8th 1994 joan gave me a little card a little bitty card it said to wayne I'm John on the back and on the front of it there's this little bear I don't know what kind of bear he is he's white bear and he's pretty and this is what that little bear or the <laughs> I start saying this is what that little bear says but the bear didn't say this this was just written beside the bear <laughs> bears don't talk <laughs> this is this is this ought to be your daily prayer help me to remember Lord that nothing's going to happen to me today that you and I cannot handle together. You know what? That's what righteous people believe. I'm not trusting in my behavior. I'm not trusting in my offering. I'm not trusting in some activity, some religious activity. I am trusting in Jesus Christ His Holy Spirit and His Word. And His Word tells me this that this may be a storm. This may be the day from hell. But I will get through it with my God. It's dark. It's tough. It's hard. And it's bigger than me. But praise be to God, it's not bigger than my God. Is there any among you struggling? Let him pray. The Bible says that Elijah was a man just like us. I like to say it this way. uh, Elijah put his robe on the same way I put my robe on. And he prayed. This righteous man prayed. And his prayer was forceful. It was powerful. And so is yours. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word and how it strengthens me in my journey and how it causes me to run the race. I ask your blessings on this invitation time. Lord, if there's people that just want to come and pray, just maybe they just want to follow. We've already prayed, but maybe they want to pray again. Maybe they want to join our church. I pray, Lord, whatever is stirring in their heart, whatever you've asked them to do, that they will spend these next few minutes doing it. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Staying with This church is almost 91 years old, and I think of all those men and women before me that worked so hard to, to, to make Main Street happen. And when I think about Hebrews 12, 1, about this great cloud of witnesses, last Tuesday night, we had a, uh, last Monday night, we had Miss Aline Martin's uh, funeral here. And I believe for the first time in a long time, Miss Aline Martin has joined us in worship this morning. I believe in that great cloud of witnesses. Since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. You notice I'm just quoting this. I'm not looking at the Word. I'm challenging you to put the Word of God in your heart. Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily besets us and let us run with patience. The word run could mean fight. It means contentious. It means hard. Let us run with patience. Let us run with endurance. The race that has been set before us. I love that word race because I took a moment and I looked it up in my concordance. And it's the Greek word agon. It's where we get our English word agony. To run this race, it's not hard. To be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ is not hard, but it is impossible. That's why God has given us the... Yeah, I've been preaching on this for weeks. When I point at you, you say Holy Spirit, okay? We're worshiping this morning, and I need you to help me. Has anybody in this service ever said amen? Amen. Now get ready because you're going to need... Listen, the Christian life is not hard. The Christian life is impossible. That's why God has given us the... The Holy Spirit is what God has given us to empower us, to teach us, so that we might become the people of God. When you are running your race, the race is difficult. It's impossible. And as you're running your race, he, uh, James chapter number 5, beginning in verse number uh, 13, we, 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 we see something here that helps us run a race. You remember that there was a man named Nehemiah. He ran his race. He was faithful to God. Nehemiah returned, did what God told him to do, and he built a wall. And as Nehemiah was building that wall, being faithful to God, what happened? He got discouraged. And we saw in God's Word how people who run the race, they get discouraged. We saw, the, the next week we saw Moses, we saw Elijah, and we saw Jonah. All three great men of God. See, I'm not preaching about heathen. I'm preaching about people who are followers of Jesus Christ. These men, they weren't discouraged. They got depressed. And what we have done here is we have turned in God's Word, James five thirteen, and we're going to find something that's going to help us run our race. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Look at this. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That is a promise that is written in God's word. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. People who follow Jesus Christ, people who walk with the Lord, people who run their race, many, many times they have struggle, they have heartache. The Bible says this, Is anyone among you suffering? The word suffering there could mean afflicted, could mean struggling, could mean hurting. Is anyone among you hurting? Let him pray. And let me tell you something I learned this week that I don't don't know if I knew this or not. See that word pray? The word pray in the Bible is best translated in your English Bible. The best way to translate that word is ask. Is anyone among you struggling, hurting, afflicted? Then let him ask. See, see, that don't really make sense. When the Bible said, is anyone among you struggling, hurting, afflicted, let him pray. Then we understand that that word pray means that we should ask of God. Prayer is the love language of the Father. Prayer is how we we communicate. Everybody says that the most important thing in marriage is communication. Prayer is God's love language. God loves you and desires to live in intimacy with you. Say amen. Prayer is an openness to Awareness of God's presence and his power in your life when we pray as believers we enter into his presence and we receive his power. Let me tell you something, tomorrow when you go to work, when you go to school, or when you're taking care of your children or grandchildren or whatever the case may be, those people around you, because you belong to the Lord, they're running the race also, they're having a hard time, they're having their struggles also. What they need to see from you is the presence and the power of God in your life. And that comes from prayer. He wants full possession of your heart. God is a jealous God. We've talked about the heart, and we've described the heart this way, that the heart is the hard drive of a human being. And God wants to occupy every space of your heart. He wants to live, He wants you to live in the experience of His love for you. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take pictures of Main Street Church. We're going to take pictures of, of people in the altar praying. We're going to take pictures of our youth group. We're going to take pictures of Team Kid. We're going to take pictures. We'll take a picture of me preaching. That'll be pretty. And we're going, we're going to put a billboard up. And we're going to let the people that drive by and see our billboard. We're going to see the people of Main Street worshiping. And we're going to say, come to Main Street and experience God. Now, let me tell you something. Before we put that sign up, we need to know something. The best way to experience God is to experience God through prayer. God is always up to something. God is doing something. I wish I could find a place to serve the Lord. Let me tell you something. You come see me. I'll put you to work in the next 15 minutes. God is moving. God is working. There's a place for you to experience God. It all begins in prayer. Now, listen. A lot of theologians have written about Jesus. And they've written about his healing ministry. And they've written about how Jesus was was good to the poor and and how he reached out to needy people. How he ministered to the hurting. How he reached out to women. Many theologians have written about how Jesus uh, was always outsmarting, outdoing the religious crowd of that day. But you know what? We need to stop and we need to study the prayer life of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Bible says, he got up very early in the morning. He got up very early in the morning. He went to a secluded place many times to pray. The Bible, turn with me in to Luke. Luke chapter number 11. I know you don't turn in your Bible anymore because we've got these screens, but you just go ahead and turn because you're going to need to mark some things. And in Luke chapter number 11, the Bible says this, Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. This is the model prayer. This is not the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer happens in John 17. John, uh, in Luke chapter number 11, verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place i believe that to be gethsemane as he was pl- praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him lord teach us to pray now we're getting ready to read the model prayer but i find this interesting that this jewish man this disciple of jesus christ looked at jesus and said teach us to pray the rabbi is always reproducing himself in his disciples. The rabbi would teach the disciple, the learner, the pupil, would listen to every word that the rabbi said. And the disciple would never, ever, ever quote, would never, ever misquote the rabbi. He would never take anything that the rabbi said and and, and expand on it or or water it down. Jesus was, was known to those people as a rabbi. They didn't really know what he was as a Messiah. They didn't understand him as Lord and Savior, but they knew he was a great teacher. And he, as a rabbi, was pouring himself into his disciples. And the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. So when he had said to them, when you pray, Jesus never said, if you pray. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us. From the evil one. Now, what is that? That is the model prayer. Now, listen. The, in the kingdom, prayer is the way kingdom resources are accessed for kingdom living. In prayer, that's the way we access kingdom resources for living. What am I doing? I'm running the race. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm following him. As I'm following him, I'm going to hit bumps in the road. There's going to be times of trouble. There's going to be times of sorrow. And during those times, James says this, we should pray. When we pray, then we are tapping into divine resources. Jesus has, has taught these people to pray in the, in the first four verses of, of Luke 11. And then look what he does. Luke eleven five. Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, Though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now listen. Jesus has taught them how to pray. And now he has talked about this, this very strange situation. You may have never read this, but it interests me that he teaches them to pray, and then he tells the story. In that culture, in the culture of Jesus Christ, I'm talking 2,000 years ago, I'm talking Israel. I'm not talking Rocky Top 2019. Listen, those Jewish listeners, those, that Jewish audience knew exactly what Jesus was saying. If someone were to come to me at midnight and knock on my door, and again, I'm talking 2,000 years ago, <clears throat> I'm not talking February 2019. Don't be knocking on my door at midnight. (laughs) If someone knocked on your door at midnight, and you went to the door, and you let this person in, that person has now become your honored guest. And as your honored guest has come in at midnight, you as the hostess would say to this person, Let me fix you a meal. And because you are the honored guest, you would never say, oh, no, it's late. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. You would never do that. What you would do is because you wouldn't want to offend your hostess, you would say, okay, do it. Now, it would probably be someone like me. Let me give you three loaves. Okay, give me three loaves. And then I turn, well, Chuck, I don't have three loaves. So what do I do? I go across the street to my neighbor. Now, listen. This Jewish audience understood what Jesus was teaching. This man has a guest in his house. He does not have the three loaves, so he goes across the street or he goes to his neighbor whom he knows can can supply his need. See, when you're running the race, you're fighting the fight, you're doing what God's called you to do, you're going to come a time in your walk when you're going to be all out of resources. Your education, your money, you're not going to be able to pull this off. You are going to have to tap, in, tap, in, tap into some divine power. And what this man has done here, he has went across the street, and this Jewish audience understands that this would never happen. When he asked him for three loaves, the man on the other side would never say back, I'm in bed, my children are in bed, come back tomorrow. He would never say that. But what Jesus is doing, he's drawing a picture. He's comparing this stingy neighbor to God. And this is what Jesus is teaching. Jesus taught, you will never have a need that your heavenly Father will not meet. As you are following God. See, listen to this. The prayers of a righteous man avails much. The word avail means to enable. It means forceful. The prayers of the righteous man are powerful. But what does it mean to be righteous? Okay, listen. Righteousness... Is not about how you behave. Righteousness is not about what you do. Righteousness is about what you believe. If you believe and you trust in Jesus Christ, then that that makes you righteous. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and God counted unto him righteousness. Now, righteousness is not about what you do. It's about what you believe. So, The prayers of the righteous man avails much. What do we believe? I believe this with all my heart, that as a follower of Jesus Christ, as his child, as I am running my race, as I am doing this impossible thing, I believe that there is no need, absolutely no need, that my God cannot meet. He can meet my needs according to his riches and glory. The Bible said in his prayer there, he said, Give us this day. Our daily bread. And again, that Jewish Jewish audience understood. When he talked about bread, their mind ran back to Moses and to the wilderness. And when those people were in the wilderness and how God every day supplied them bread or supplied them manna. They were required every morning to go out and collect enough manna to last them for one day. You could not can, you could not freeze, you could not store up manna. You had to take manna one day at a time, except on the sixth day, and you took up enough on the sixth day for two days. Now why? Why would God every day want to supply a daily bread or want to supply manna just for 24 hours? Why would he do that? Because he's teaching these people, the chosen people of God, he's teaching his people that we need to learn to trust him every day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not not after it's over, not before it starts, but in the day. In your day, when all hell breaks loose, God is expecting you to rejoice in the day. Why? Because God is going to give me daily bread. The word bread in Scripture speaks of need. Lord, give us this day our daily apple pie. The Bible doesn't say that. Apple pie is a blessing. Apple pie is is above and beyond. Bread is what you need. And and Jesus is teaching here that everything we need, God will supply it. I went to church this morning and Pastor Wayne said, everything I wanted, God would give it to me. I didn't say that. I don't preach prosperity. But I believe this, that God will meet your need. Now listen. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 32, the Bible says this, that God... Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. Now, the word Gentile in the Bible means heathen. It means hypocrite. For the Gentile seeks these things. For your heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask. Matthew 6, 8 says the same thing. that, 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 that he, he, Before you ask, the hypocrites, they pray, and they cry out, and they beg, and they worry. But you... you God knows you. You're his child. He knows your need before you ever ask. Now, here's the question. If God knows what I need before I ask, then why do I have to ask? There was a lady one time said to her pastor, Oh, I never trouble God with the little things. And her pastor said to her, He is God. It's all little things. Pastor Brian Courtney, the great theologian of First Baptist, he used to tell me, he said, don't sweat the small stuff. He said, it's all small stuff. Listen, why do I have to ask if God knows what I need? I am so glad that my Heavenly Father knows what I need before I ask. But he has set up this process of prayer. Although he knows my need, he still wants me to come before him and ask. Imagine what it would be like if God met your needs without you engaging him in the process. I need $20. Well, right there is $20. I need healing. Okay, there is your healing. I haven't prayed and haven't asked for anything. I just, all of a sudden, it just fell out of a tree. It's magic. Do you see why God would want to involve you in the process? You would never recognize his provision. If you have a need, and your need is so big that you can't meet it yourself, and it just comes to you, poof. You never recognize the provision of God. When we have the privilege of seeing Him meet our needs in response to prayer, we experience Him. I believe that I I just kind of see this great big warehouse in heaven. And on that warehouse it says, supply. Supply. In that warehouse is everything I need. As I run my race, everything I need to be a blessing to the Lord is in that warehouse. And all I have to do is ask. Is any among you uh, struggling? Let him pray. Let him ask. Jesus, before making an important decision, you know what he did? He prayed luke chapter number six in luke chapter number six jesus was uh, at the synagogue he he, he is on a sabbath and he did something real real bad jesus did he healed a person he healed a man with a withered hand and he done it on the sabbath and in luke chapter number six verse number 11 the bible says this but they talking about the religious people but they were filled with rage And discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Jesus is into his ministry. He's halfway through his ministry. And for the first 21 months of his ministry, he has been preaching and he's been healing. He's been turning water into wine. And he has a big church. And everybody is following. No man ever spake like this man spake. And he is... Now, he has done this healing on the Sabbath. The religious people are beginning to form their plan on how they're going to destroy him. So Jesus does something in Luke chapter 6, verse number 12. Now, it came to pass in those days that he, that Jesus went to the mountain to pray. Look what he did. And he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve whom he named apostles. He's got this big church. He's got a lot of disciples. He's got a lot of pupils of people that's learning from him. Now the the religious people are are starting to, to form a plan on how they're going to get rid of him jesus goes to the mountain and he prays all night long to to god the father and he comes back he calls all of his disciples together and he chooses from that 12 or from that group of people 12 that he calls his 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 apostles before choosing his 12 apostles jesus spent the night in prayer anytime you get ready to make a big decision you better pray are you thinking about getting married all night you better get down on your knees <laughs> churches, you know, what, you know, you know, you know, you know, you want the New Deal is in churches now. I'll not tell you this because this might come back to haunt me. When, when when churches call pastors, now you know what they do? They hire firms. They hire someone in Los Angeles, California, to seek out men to pastor their church. If a church is seeking a pastor, you know what they ought to do? They ought to pray. They ought to get on their knees, and they ought to pray. If you want your town to come to Christ, you ought to get on your knees and pray. If you want your church to be be a shining light in a lost and dying world, you ought to pray. Every major decision, you ought to pray. Wisdom. If you're getting ready to make a decision, you, you need wisdom. Wisdom is something that we need before making an important decisions. James chapter 5 verse number 1 says this. James 1.5 says this. That anyone who lacks wisdom, you know what he should do? He should ask of God. Who gives generously? How many times have you been ready to make a decision? And you have been praying, and you've been praying. And the wisdom of God would show up in your life. We need to pray before making important decisions. Direction, according to Psalms 32.8, direction, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you. It's what Psalms 32.8 says. Direction is something we need before making important decisions. You can pray and you can have your mind set and you're going to do a certain thing and you start doing what God's called you to do and all of a sudden a door closes and all of a sudden a door opens and you know what happens? God begins to move and you begin to receive direction in your life. If you're a child of God and if you're running the race, I don't care how smart you are, you are to never to lean on your own understanding. You are to always to trust God. Jesus, he was a prayer warrior. Jesus prayed when he was tempted. Jesus before he began his public ministry, he fasted and he prayed. Do you remember how Jesus John the Baptist baptized him? And when he brought him up out of the water, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And there was a great voice out of heaven said, Behold, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus left the baptismal pool and he went into the wilderness. And for 40 days he was fasting and praying and he was tempted by the enemy. I know you're hungry. Just command these stones to be made bread. Do you think Jesus could turn a stone into bread? This is a daily need. This is something you need. You can do it, do it. He was tempted. On the cross, Jesus was tempted. Temptation came to Jesus while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was there praying. And as he was praying there all alone, that sweat became as great drops of blood. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus, the God-man, was tempted to walk away. I believe that as he was in that garden, he crossed his mind, this is too hard, this is too much to ask, I cannot do this. And then he fell on his knees and he said, Not my will, but your will be done. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, strengthening him. It means to strengthen from within. You know what? Temptation is going to come our way. But if we spend the, amount, uh, the right amount of time in prayer, we will be able to overcome. We will have power over temptation if we spend a sufficient time in prayer. Jesus prayed while suffering on the cross. In the darkest six hours of his life, Jesus prayed. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There's people here this morning who would say, Pastor, this is the darkest time of my life. I have never been in a spot like this. Jesus prayed. There are people here who who have addiction in their home. There's people here who divorce is looming in their home. There are people here who are trying to care for other family members. There are people in the room who's trying to pastor a New Testament church. The next time... The next time somebody says to me, the Bible says, God won't put more on you and you can bear, I'm going to punch them. I'm going to bust their nose and I'm going to say, now you show me. You show me that in the past. And then I'll, I'll ask you to forgive. Go. It's not there. Adam in the garden was created by God and he was placed in the the garden and he was placed there. I want you to take over this garden. I want you to take care of this garden. And then God said, well, he can't do that all by himself. God put more on him than he could bear. This may be the darkest hour of your life. Let me tell you something. God will put on you more than you can bear, but he will not put more on you than he can bear. Now watch what the Bible says. We can overcome burdens trials and suffering when we, when we encounter in this life, in this race just as our Savior did through prayer. The prayers of a righteous person avails much. It's righteousness it's not about how you behave it's about what you believe and if you believe in Jesus, you believe in the word and if you know the word your prayers a veil. They're powerful. They're forceful. They enable you. 1994, Joan gave me a little card. On the back of it, it said, To Wayne from Joan. June 8th, 1994. And on the front of the card, there's a little bear. And that little bear... There's words written beside that prayer that says, it, that, that says this. Help me to remember, Lord, that nothing's going to happen to me today that you and I together cannot handle. Amen. It might be bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. Let me tell you something. If you are struggling, you should pray. Pray you should ask a church you find a church family individual families that are going through storms that are hurting, they're struggling and you watch them fall on their knees and pray and during their storm and during their struggle as they begin to pray for some reason or another, the church it begins to increase People begin to get saved. Finances go up. Sunday school go up. Children are everywhere. And then the pastor, a big dummy, goes to a pastor's conference. And they'll say, buddy, your church is really doing good. Let me tell you something. I hate it when somebody says that to me. You go to the pastor's conference. Oh, your church is really doing good. Well, yeah, well, it's. When I went there, they had 17 in Sunday school, and two of them got in a fight, and there was a blind guy there, you know. But then I came. Now we got 20 in Sunday school, and we've only had, we hadn't really had a fight in a long time, but there was this deacon's meeting. But, but all because of me, look what's happened. You know what? Let me tell you something. This is what you got to stand up and say as a pastor. Let me tell you something. Our church is doing good, but let me tell you something. It's because our people's walking through hell. And they have fallen on their knees and they've called out to God, and God has moved in their lives in a special way. And to God be the glory. Amen. You're running this race and you're hitting bumps in the road and your struggles, and there's times of need. Isn't it good to know that your God, the God that loves you, will meet your need according to his riches and glory? It's not about what you do. It's about what you believe. Bow your heads with me, please. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I don't even know what to do from here. We're going to enter into a time of invitation. Maybe there's someone here this morning that just wants to come and pray. Her altar is open. Maybe you just want to come and pray. Maybe you want to come and give your heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't understand this salvation thing. I can, I can work you through that pretty, pretty quickly. Maybe you want to join our church. Maybe you would like to just spend a moment with me in prayer. I don't really know what would happen in the hearts of people after a worship service like this, but if God has spoken to you, I pray that you would be strong and courageous. And this morning you would do exactly what God would ask you to do. I pray that you would remember that nothing is going to happen to you today that you and your God together cannot handle. But during this time of invitation, I want you to respond in a way that pleases the Lord. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Stand with me.